0: stand for just a moment, Isaiah 9, verse 6, is what we want to look at this evening. Very familiar verse to many of us, and um, uh, it's uh, wonderful to see something like this, because this is prophecy. Christ had not come yet, and so when we read this, this is something that has not occurred yet, but yet we know it did, and everything that is said is brought forth in the New Testament. In verse six, the Bible says in Isaiah, "For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace." You may be seated. As we head in toward Wednesday, and we're getting ready to celebrate what we call Christmas. Uh, much of it, I think about when I think about Christmas. We had a lot of family traditions when I was growing up, and and so those come to mind. And, of course, my wife and I, we've come up with our own traditions now. And uh, and it's enjoying time together. And, obviously, we're exchanging gifts. And today I got a bunch of candy. So I went home <laughs> and I ate candy, uh, I think, for dinner before I got back. So, uh, But I appreciate all the gifts. I really do. But, you know, it's about exchanging gifts and being together and family traditions and those kinds of things. But, you know, for all of us that are in here tonight, if you're saved tonight, I want to challenge you, when Wednesday rolls around, that you wake up, you read that story that Chris read this morning, you think about what the children sang about this morning, and you read that, and you say, well, it's just me and my wife, or it's just, you know, me and another individual. That's okay. Uh, Wake up and read Luke chapter 2, verses 1 through 14, just to be mindful of what God has done for us. And I think about this passage here, and let me encourage you to remember that it's a celebration of the birth of Jesus, and that's really what we're talking about here, so... And we know and can see that Christmas, when you look around, it's evolved into gifts rather than that of the gift that God gave to mankind, which is our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, I look here and we find in the Old Testament a reference to the coming of Christ, revealing his character. And you look at this and you can see his character in this. You can see his cause for coming to the earth. And I just ask myself a question and I do this. Regularly, and obviously, we ought to worship Christ every day of our life. But is Christmas in my household a celebration of God's gift to mankind, Jesus Christ? Now, let's, let's think about this for just a moment, and I want to focus in on some things. Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and so, by the way, uh, especially you young fathers in here, you ought to be reading the Bible to your kids every day. Every day, uh, Aaron and uh, David and You guys ought to just really think about Am I spending time in the Scriptures? Am I reading the Bible to my kids? And uh, God set forth some things here, and there's two things, two reasons set forth in the Scriptures that Christ came. And one, uh, we can see this Christ, this Christmas that we celebrate. We want to celebrate the character of Christ, and we also want to celebrate the cause of Christ. I know that I'm on my way to heaven because Jesus Christ died for me. When I come to these passages of Scripture, And I look at Isaiah speaking here. Isaiah describes the birth and the battle that Christ would face. When you read this, I don't know if we gather this. For unto us a child is born unto us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders. That's a battle to ensue, isn't it? That's a battle to come. And I don't know that we think about that, but that's exactly what happened to him, isn't it? And so we see that when we get to the New Testament, the battles that he faced, and we see that fulfilled in the New Testament. And then we see in Luke 2 where he was born... And then we see throughout the Gospels in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that the government was on his shoulders, and the religious leaders sought to kill him. And so it was a heavy life that he had to lead, but he did it for us. And then we get into some of the things about him, uh, and, and one of the things that you look at here, it says the government's going to be up on his shoulder, but here's his name. You don't want to underline that in your Bible. His name shall be called... You know, you want to think about that. This is His name. (laughs) There's so many wonderful things about Christ. You can't give Him a single solitary name. (laughs) And I love it because it's not the plurality of it. It says, His name shall be. (laughs) What? And so it just lists a host of things that He shall be. This is His name. Well, what is His name? Well, His name is wonderful. Well, His name is Counselor. His name is the Mighty God. His name is the Everlasting Father. His name is the Prince of Peace. And so His name... Is all of those things. And so I began to just kind of delve into what does it mean that he is wonderful and you know we see his perfections here described. (laughs) We see some things about him that that should remind us of how wonderful he is. That word wonderful is a supernatural miracle. So this child was born of a virgin, lived a sinless life, died on the cross and rose again for you and me. This is a supernatural miracle. This is his name is wonderful. (laughs) And you look in the Bible and when you consider something wonderful, you look in the Old Testament, you find it twice in the Old Testament, in Isaiah 9, 6 here, in Isaiah 25, 1, it's brought up. And I began to think about things that are wonderful. How many of you have ever just taken a trip into the mountains? Anybody ever just take a trip into the mountains? You go out there into the mountains, and especially around the fall time, I love it, <laughs> when the leaves are changing. Or how many of you have gone into the mountains when there's a beautiful snow having take place? I wish I could show you a picture I just took the other day I, I thought about how wonderful it was here. Uh, the sun was coming up. There was a little bit of haze and the snow was on the field and, and the sun was coming up out of the ground and I took a photograph of it and I came in and I showed Emily and I said, man, you got to see this out there. But there are so many wonderful things. You think about wonderful if you ever took a ride in the mountains or if you ever just look around at the trees or you look at the snow or you look at the snowfall and you see about how wonderful it is and you say, man, preacher, I sure don't like the snow. But boy, I'll tell you, it's beautiful when it's coming down, isn't it? I remember when I was a young boy, we used to deliver newspapers. And I remember we would go up over this uh, hill, and we had to go up and pick up our newspapers. And have you ever looked whenever a car hasn't driven on it, or there's no tracks on it, or anything like that, and it had snowed, and, and the ice was hanging on the trees, and the trees were hanging over like this, and it just looked like a tunnel. And as you look down, I looked down through there, and you could just see the white snow, and nobody had touched it yet. And I thought, man, this is amazing. And I think of wonderful, and I think of things like that, but his name is wonderful, isn't it? His name is wonderful. You look at things, and you see the fall, and the spring, and the summer, and the moon, and the stars, and the creatures, and the creation, and you go, wow, this is amazing, this is wonderful. How many of you have ever been out in, in the woods on a starlit night, and you see how bright the stars really are when there's no other light around? And you lay your head down on the ground on a, on a sleeping bag, and you look up into the sky, and you see how wonderful and how marvelous that is. It's amazing who our God is. And I got to thinking in Psalm 40, in verse 5, it said, Many, O Lord my God, are thy wonderful works which thou hast done, and thy thoughts which are to usward. They cannot be reckoned up in order unto thee. If I would declare and speak of them, they are more than can be numbered. (laughs) And you think about how wonderful he is. I don't know about you, but I look at life around me, and and Chris, I always think of your dad right back here. He opened the door that night, and we walked outside, and he said to me, look at that moon. (laughs) And I was so excited, I had to go outside and see it. And I'll never forget that, but the moon was so bright and so full, and I thought, wow, look at how wonderful that is. His name is what? Wonderful, isn't it? He's a marvelous God, isn't he? Boy, we ought to take into account how wonderful he really is and the things that he gives unto us. Well, he tells us about himself, too. His name is wonderful. His name is Counselor, as well. His name is Counselor. Deliberate guidance and with purpose. And as one that has trust in Christ, this is a gift from God, letting us know that Christ not only saves us, but is involved in our life. I like the idea of deliberate guidance, <laughs> counselor. And uh, you look in the scriptures in Isaiah 40, verse 13, he said, who hath directed the spirit of the Lord or being his counselor hath taught him? Who could teach God? <laughs> See, if any of us lack wisdom, we ought to do what? Ask God, right? He's the counselor. And you think about when you want counsel, think about who you can really turn to, an all-knowing God. His name is wonderful. His name is counselor counselor is is that he wants to give you this guidance he said in Romans eleven thirty four, for who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor nobody's taught God anything God teaches us what everything and and you think about when we go to make decisions who do you really want counsel from and his name is counselor isn't it we ought to go to him and ask him and I thought about 1st Corinthians two sixteen, for who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. That should cause us to go to him as our counselor. You see, we have the mind of Christ. Who did Christ turn to? And you think about him being wonderful, him being counselor, but he calls him something else as well. Not only is his name wonderful, not only is his name counselor, his name is the mighty God. And you think about this, this tells us, (coughs) that the power of God is attributed to Christ, and it reminds us that Jesus is God. So when you look, it says, for unto us a child is born. Who are we talking about? Then he says, his name is the mighty God. Isn't that interesting? So people that say that Christ and God are not the same, we are confusing people because they have to be, because he tells us right here and prophesies that his name is what? The mighty God. He is the mighty God. And you look to the scriptures and you see something in Philippians, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Why? Because he is the mighty God, isn't he? So what do we have to enjoy? Well, he's wonderful, isn't he? He's counselor. He gives you what you need. He is the mighty God. When you're speaking of Christ, to Christ, asking Christ to save you, asking Christ to help you with things that are going on in your life, he is God. He's listening to you. And he desires to speak with you. Well, he not only called him the mighty God, he called him, and I love this, how can you not equate this and tell us who else is he? He's the everlasting Father. Amen. That's equated to God the Father, isn't it? And he's everlasting. He, he never ends. <laughs> Boy, aren't you glad we still have a God who is living and not dead? Aren't you glad that we have a Christ who is alive and not dead? And he is the everlasting father. I read that and I think about security. When I would think about my dad growing up, I, it was always a secure thing. Did you ever watch a little child in a store? And, and did you ever watch them when they grab the leg of the wrong person and it's not their parent? And they realize now who they have a hold of? How many of you have ever experienced that and once the child do that and you see this, I call it a freak out because he's going nuts after that realizing this is not my parent. And the one thing they're looking for is that security, aren't they? And when I think about everlasting Father, there's some security with that, isn't it? It never ends. It never goes away. And this is His name. This is security for the one that trusts Christ to take their soul to heaven because everlasting is forever and Christ and the Father are one. It says in John 10, 30, I and my Father are one. (laughs) When He says the mighty God, He's saying... There's a relationship there, and a powerful God, a mighty God, a supernatural God. And this is who it is. And he said, that's his name. This child that was born, his name is Counselor. His name is wonderful. His name is the mighty God. His name is the everlasting Father. And lastly, he says, his name is the Prince of Peace. And of course, I shared with you this morning about my mom. <laughs> she would yell at us and tell us to get out. And Say, I want some peace and quiet. You know, Christ was sent that he could bring salvation to man. The kind of peace that we're talking about here is an everlasting peace, isn't it? It's a peace between us and God. There was a problem, and Jesus solved it, didn't he? There was a serious situation between us and God, and there was no way that we could make it right. God had to take care of it himself. And then he calls him the Prince of Peace. And you think about this. uh, In Ephesians 2, 14, he says, For he is... Our peace. He is our peace. That's who He is. And so, what is His name? His name is the Prince of Peace, isn't it? And you look in the scriptures, and He says in John 14 27, I quoted this this morning, Peace I leave you with, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. There's something comforting about the fact that His name is the Prince of Peace. So who is this son? Who is this child? Who is this person that the government shall be upon his shoulders? And they were. But he came, and he is wonderful. He is counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He is the Prince of Peace. God sent His only begotten, and the character and the perfections of Christ should be celebrated on Christmas Day. You know, when you wake up, you read a passage like this, you ought to stop for just a moment and say, thanks, Lord, for being all those things for us. And thank you for coming and giving that to us. You know, Christmas in our household should be a celebration of the gift of Jesus Christ. And we ought to celebrate him. Well, the character of Christ leads to his purpose for coming down to mankind. When you think about him coming down to mankind, what is this all about? Well, there's a cause here as well. And I thought about the reason God sent this babe to the manger so that he would be the savior of the world for all those who will trust and believe in him. And so he sent this baby to a manger, but, you know, Jesus is coming back again. (laughs) And we celebrate that and we promote that, but he's coming back not as a babe in the manger, but as the line of Judah. He's coming back to rule and reign with a rod of iron. He's coming back differently than when he left. And he has every right to that. And you think about 1 John 4, uh, 4, 14 and 15, and it says, And we have seen and do testify that the Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God, God dwelleth in him, and he in God. Man has to come to a conclusion that they're going to trust Christ as Savior. Hey, this morning when I was preaching, I was pleading with the Lord the whole time I was preaching that God would cause some of these folks to submit to him and submit to his will for salvation. Uh, When Brother Dustin was here, he preached a message on praying for the lost, but praying for the saved, praying for the lost. And we can pray that people submit to God. And why can we do that? Because he's wonderful, isn't he? He is counselor. When you think about it, he's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. That's why we can do that. And, and what I'm challenging us to do as a church to really think on, on Christmas when you wake up, let it be about him and not us. Let it, let it really be about who he is. Jim, Chris, if you're with your grandkids, man, open that Bible. Open that Bible and read that story to them again. Set a tradition that they know that this is about Jesus Christ. You know, David, when you wake up, it's not just, let's rip into the gifts. Let's open up the Bible. How many of the kids just want to rip into the gifts, right? (laughs) But the thing of it is, is if you can drive it back toward why we're doing what we're doing, and even though we're giving them gifts and everything... Let's let it surround itself around that truth. The child was born so that the man may live for eternity, but it's a choice that they make while they're here on this earth. It's a choice that you trust and believe Jesus Christ is the Son of God. What a joy to be able to celebrate the birth of our Savior in our country. We're free to do that, aren't we? And we freely celebrate what's happening. So what sadness it brings to know that the world's forgotten the purpose of the birth of Christ. And it has, folks. And I can see a turning of the tide, and you say, it's coming back. People are starting to say, Merry Christmas again. But it's not that. (laughs) It's really about this relationship, this thing that we started called Christmas, was so that we could celebrate the coming of the Savior. And really, that's what it's about. But we've lost the purpose and and, and lost the idea of what it's about. But let's not let it happen in our house, especially in the house of God but let's not let it happen in our homes. Let's not let it happen that we forget why we're doing what we're doing. I was given a beautiful ham for Christmas, man. (laughs) You got to see this thing. And uh, I'm grateful, you know. And Anita and I were talking about what we were going to do for Christmas, and man, we ended up with this beautiful ham. Man, I'm thinking, I can't wait to dig into that bad boy. (laughs) You know, get that thing in the oven. But the thing of it is, is that, uh, you know, it's not about a ham, is it? not about the food on the table. It's not about, but boy, we ought to be thankful for the gifts that we've been provided. Amen. Amen? And if we have it to have, we ought to celebrate who gave it to us. You know, Jesus isn't a commodity. He's not something to be sold. He's something that's to be given. It's a gift, isn't it? Jesus Christ is not a commodity to be sold. He is a gift that has been given. And how we ought to really try to do just that and think about how we may do that. You know, when I'm preaching and I'm sharing that message, I don't know how many of you in here have seen me do that illustration with the Bible and the pen how many times, right? But do you know how many people were here today and have never seen that before? And they don't know the good news. I'm trying so hard, folks, just to get that message into them. And I don't know how to relay it or relate it. I keep giving them the scriptures and trying to relate to them. (laughs) Jesus is alive and real, isn't he? And, and, And so much so... Uh, all these things that we're saying that He is to us, He can be to them. And there's so many people just struggling and just just suffering out there and just trying to cope with life rather than live an enjoyable Christian life. And I look to the scriptures and I see some wonderful things about our Savior. Christ came so that we could trust and believe in Him. You know that Romans road that we shared this morning, that's what all of us should know how to Share that with people, teaching folks that they're separated from God, teaching them because of their sin they cannot get to heaven, teaching them that there's a wage to be paid for that, but there's someone that stepped in and paid the price, but it requires a relationship, and that starts by them trusting what Christ did for them. Boy, we need to be able to do that as simply as I said it just now. We ought to be able to do that with every person we come in contact with, that we ought to be able to share with them the truth of the gospel, Christ came so that we would trust and believe in him to take our soul to heaven. And when you part this earth, you see the choice can't be made then. It has to be made now. That's why I'm so emphatic about it. Because they don't get to make this choice when they die. When I get opportunity to talk to my dad, every time I talk to him, I share the gospel with him. My dad says he's saved, but I don't know whether he is or not. Every time I get a chance to talk to family members, I try to share the gospel with them, and it's hard to do because they say, you know, you're going to chase them away, and I thought, I can't get them any closer to hell than they are already. (laughs) And the only thing I know to do is to share this name, wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. You know, he completed that work and I think about how he was born of a virgin. What a miracle that is. How many of us celebrate the fact that he came into this world sinless? Amen. <laughs> and he did. He was born of a virgin. When you think about that, not only that, that we can see in the scriptures he lived a sinless life. People say, you really tell me that by one man dying everybody else can live? Yes. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and the reason that we can is because he was sinless. It was because he was born of a virgin. You see, the, 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 the seed of Adam is not in him. And you think about this for just a moment. It was God that placed that seed in Mary's womb. It was the Holy Spirit that took care of that. It's different than the rest of men that were born. And I don't know if we grasp that all the time, but he was born and then he lived a sinless life. And oh, how thankful we can be because now he could die for us. And we ought to celebrate the fact that he did that. And then, not only did he live this sinless life, what did he do? Well, he went to the cross of Calvary and he shed his blood for us. You know, when you read the scriptures, and one time somebody told me, oh, you have to see the movie of The Passion of Christ. If you saw that, you'd really understand. And you know, folks, I have to be honest with you, every time I read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I weep because I can see what he did. I don't have to see a film to know what my Savior did for me. It's graphic enough when I open up the scriptures and I can see what Christ did on the cross for me. And that shedding of that blood that he did for you and me opened the gateway to heaven, didn't it? Amen. Amen, And you think about how we ought to share this with folks. Not only that, that death on the cross was not an end of things. It was the beginning of something, wasn't it? When he died, it says that he died for your sin and mine. He died for our sin, And then we realize that he rose again that third day. You know, the wonderful thing is, he tells us, let not your heart be troubled. Do you know why? Because he's offered us something, and if you've received that gift, why be troubled? Why have a heavy heart over it? The reality is is that heaven is your home if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior. So what is the cause? Well, the cause is that he came to die for you and me, and he resurrected from the dead. You know, I shared today, a couple of people mentioned to me as we were walking out, we usually don't celebrate birthdays of people who have already passed, but we continue to celebrate Jesus' birthday, don't we? And why do we do that? Because he's still alive, isn't he? He's sitting on the right hand of the Father. He is alive. His throne on the right hand of God and his returning again for his bride. You know, every time I do a funeral, I go to the graveside, one of the Sets of passages that I always read is 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. You see, there's a lot of people that don't believe in a rapture. <laughs> but the fact is, is the Bible very clearly says this is what's going to occur, doesn't it? <laughs> and God says at the end of that in verse 18, and this is what I, I, I just share this with you. He said, comfort one another with these words. Comfort, of, comfort each other with what words? <laughs> the words that he's coming back again, isn't it? The words that Jesus not only saved us, but he said, if I go to prepare a place for you, if where I go, there you shall be also, right? But he's going to come back and get us so we can be there with him. He said, "In my father's house, sir, how many mansions? Many mansions. He said, if it were not so, I would have told you about that. But it's a very different situation for you and for me. When we look at this, Jesus shouldn't just be born of a virgin, live a sinless life, shed his blood, die on the cross, and rise the third day, and then just say, good luck. (laughs) You know, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit then resides in us, doesn't he? You know, folks, you ought to know that you're saved. I can't know whether you're saved, but you ought to know whether you're saved or not. And if you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, he told me this, whether my body be in a, in, a, in a grave or whether I am remaining, he told me that if I have trusted him as Savior, one way or another, I'm going to meet him in the clouds. <laughs> Amen? And so shall you ever be with the Lord. So what is his name? Let us not grow weary of it. <laughs> Let's not grow weary of the story of our Savior. Let's not let it become what we would maybe say, old hat. Let not the good news become old news. Don't let what Christ did on the cross lay dormant in your own lives and expect it to be exciting to someone else. (laughs) If we're not excited about it, why would anybody else be? And believe me, when you're talking to sinners... are distant and far from God and you share the gospel with them, believe me, it is good news. And when they get saved and they understand where they are and what Christ has offered them, and that conclusion is drawn and they pray and trust Christ as Savior, a life is transformed, isn't it? And what we have to do is bring that message to this community, to Minster, to Fort Loramie, to... Uh, New Knoxville, to New Bremen. You see St. Mary's, all these areas, they need Christ. And so the challenge to us is, is what are we going to do about it? We've got tracts out there. You can hand them out to folks. Tell them who Jesus Christ is. Don't be afraid of your testimony. Believe me, when you look at this, this is who he is for you. He's wonderful. He's counselor. He's the mighty God. He's the everlasting Father. He's the Prince of Peace. Let's pray.